Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Match Talk Podcast Network. It's time for the ODU Wrestling Monarch Matcast, a show dedicated to all things related to the Old Dominion Wrestling Program. On the web at monarchmatcast.com. Now, here's your host, three-time National Wrestling Writer and Broadcaster of the Year, and 2004 ODU alumnus, Jason Bryant. Episode 31 of the OD Wrestling Monarch Madcast. Jason Bryant here with you. Today we're going to revisit our conversation that started a year ago when Chris McCotty first came on the program. Now we're going to cap off that conversation with the way he capped off his career. First of all, Chris, congratulations on commencement and graduation, man. It's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, thank you. It's an awesome feeling. It was so cool. And it was um, awesome because actually the first time my parents came out and visited me since my recruiting trip. So it was kind of a cool deal. Them being here on our recruiting ship and then them coming to my college graduation was awesome. Kind of came full circle. But, yeah, it was a great feeling to graduate college. That was the big goal, what I set out here for. So, yeah, I mean, the wrestling was huge, but actually graduating college was the, the main goal. So that was awesome to get that done after a, after a uh, good way to end my career as well. So what did you end up concentrating in? What did you end up graduating with? What type of degree? Communications. I like it. I like it. I like it. I know. I know. We're strong. <laughs> Communication majors are strong out here. I mean, between <laughs> between you, me, and Warner, I mean, if Warner's not spending all his time making up the best of worst brackets of all time, and in case you're yeah. wondering, folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side, sidetrack the interview here just for a moment. Uh, as of today, we record this on May 12th. Tristan Warner, who's been the uh, the graduate assistant SID, the sports information director for wrestling this year, after a good career at ODU on the wrestling program, has been coming up with these just god-awful brackets. And the polls is Twitter <laughs> votes, so follow at Warren Triz. And then you can see this one today, it just uh, basically it was the worst bracket in the history of bracketing. And it was like, what, the, the worst, <laughs> most popular pops? I mean, Nickelback's the number one seed. So right yeah, there, you it know, awesome. it was awesome. it's so bad. Anyway, that's uh, just getting sidetracked. So check out Tristan Warner on Twitter <laughs> with that, because that was just that was the one thing. I, I opened my day with Nickelback as a number one seed. I'm like, what kind of crap is this? And then I realized yeah, what, what it was. What kind of bracket are we looking at right now? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, who's your money on for the the mo- worst, most popular pop song, pop singer, oh, group, I whatever? Oh, I think Nickelback is going to take it, for sure. They just have so much a crowd. They're a crowd favorite when it comes to being bad. So I think Nickelback, for sure, is going with that raspy voice. That, that raspy voice, yeah, I think it's them all the way. I got a gun in my head. I don't know what I'm yeah. singing. I'm on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I didn't yeah, expect. That sounds all right. Yeah, it's the only time uh, Nickelback will ever be mentioned on any of the Matt Talk podcast shows. But uh, we talk about <laughs> communications. Uh, last time you were on the show, you, you didn't. You weren't sure what you were going to do post college, and, and and how have those plans kind of evolved? And what are you looking to do now that you're done in Norfolk? Yeah. Well, um, actually, I think I'm I'm staying on. I'm gonna stay on as a year or for a year, excuse me, and help out with the team. And I'll be I'll be working with the guys on the team, so I won't be on staff as a coach. But I'll be staying around here helping out with the guys, doing a lot of the developmental stuff with, like, the young guys, the freshmen, kind of helping out uh, helping out them. And I'm also going to be doing, uh, pursuing MMA, kind of getting a foundation and seeing how I do in that, uh, in that realm and seeing where that takes me. But, yeah, I, I, I'm giving a year to the ODU wrestling program, helping out with the guys that have uh, – the young freshman stuff, and then seeing how I do in MMA, and then seeing where that takes me from there. What gyms are you looking to work out of there? And uh, with mixed martial, I know there's a couple good gyms in the area. Yeah, yeah, VB definitely, Virginia Beach and Norfolk both have some good gyms. But uh, I kind of I came in contact with um, one of the local guys around here. He fought WEC, had a bunch of fights in the UFC, and he kind of recently retired. And um, he actually, Saritas used to be kind of his uh, wrestling coach. He's doing MMA, so I got that. I hit up Saritas. Just gave me that kind of info, and I hit him up. So he's out at a gym called uh, Pride Pride FC or Pride uh, Training Center in Virginia Beach, new gym. So that's where I plan on plan on going and seeing. Um, hopefully, it's a good fit for me, and hopefully that works out. But yeah, we'll see. I haven't started uh, yet. Kind of took a little take a little break from the uh, the hard training and stuff. Focusing on school, graduating, all that stuff. But I'm gonna get into it soon. T- taking a little break from the weight cutting, right? Yeah, pretty much. That was the I, it was funny. After I got to wrestling, I went into workout stuff. And people were like, I thought you were done with working out. And I was like, I don't mind working out. It's just I didn't like working out without any water or without any food in my body. <laughs> that was what I didn't like. It was done with the weight cutting part. For sure. Yeah, I need a little break from that. Yeah, so what are you walking out, walking around at right now? You wrestled 141 pounds. I'm going to say probably 161-ish. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about 65. I go to work, workout about 65. So you and Warner can so roll because you're the same weight hydrated. now. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm going with all the big guys. It's all good. I go <laughs> less from 133 pounders all the way to 57, 65. It's all good. <laughs> Just need you to put on the uh, the, yeah. Jake, the Jacob Henderson eating regime. Yeah, right. Shake them. Shake them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> Yeah, as we go there, let's talk about wrestling here for a little bit. You capped your career as a two-time All-American, fifth-place finish at 141 pounds this year uh, at Madison Square Garden, first time the event had been there, becoming the third two-time Division One All-American in school history. And uh, before we even get to the competition, Madison Square Garden, what was it like to walk into that building for the first time and be like, holy crap, this is where I'm going to end my career, good or bad? Yes, it was, it was exactly that. I knew, I mean, going into it <clears> – <throat> Before even the wrestling part started, just like you said, walking in, and I'm seeing pictures of Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali fighting, and all these great boxers, great fights. I mean, the concerts and stuff are crazy, but more of athletics. Like, it's it's one of the world's most famous arenas. You know, Madison Square Garden. There's been so many legendary, historic sporting events that have gone down 
and I knew, I'm like, okay, this is going to be the place. And I'm like, I've known this is going to be the place for the last couple of years to end my career. So, And I was just told myself, go out and, like, it sounds cliche, but go out and have fun. Enjoy it. Win, lose, or draw. Enjoy what you're doing right now. Like, not many people can get to say they did something they loved, you know, in front of a huge crowd in Madison Square Garden. So I was like, that was a big part of it. It was awesome. It was all positive, good vibes. It was in, the crowd was amazing, the buzz. You know, especially from the city. I mean, that was my first time in New York City as well. And I was just blown away by how awesome that city was. There's just way too many people there, though. Yeah, it, it, I I didn't mind it to be honest. I, it was kind of I liked that kind of that kind of energy. It kind of got me pumped to be honest. I loved it. Yeah, can I live there in my when I'm older with a family? Probably not. But I wouldn't mind living there right now. I thought it was sweet. Like, it was always always something to do. Always something to do. Always so many cool food places. I liked it. I was, I became a fan of New York City. <laughs> yeah, I had the opportunity to, to check out the Grappler Garden. Of course, the NCAA's last, uh, you know, the Grappler Garden last couple of years, then the NCAA's this year. Been there a couple of times. And I can tell you, Manhattan, you can you can spend a lot of money in a, in a short time in Manhattan. Very true. That was, yeah, that's obvious. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not I'm not too far out from Los Angeles, which is also pretty expensive. So I, that's why I kind of say, I'm like, it's going to be like you're in L.A. spending a lot of money. Uh, one of the few people that are that's going to actually positively compare New York and L.A. Usually, it's one or the other. But yeah, well, I'm 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 still West Coast all the way. But I I thought I thought the comparisons. I'm like they're two different cities. Too many the, the vibes are very different from the both cities. But yeah, I like I like New York City. I was a fan. I was a fan. I took it for what it was worth. I thought it was awesome. One thing that New York City had that uh, you know we in St. Louis and in Des Moines and other places like that there have been. Uh, you know, workout facilities right there in the facility. And then you got, it was a little different this year. You had to go through a theater. What was it like from an athlete standpoint, getting warmed up and getting ready to report to your match? What was that process like? Um, I thought it was fine. I thought they ran it very smoothly. I only complaints I heard from spectators, but I thought it was the the theater was like two stories um, or three stories below the main arena, but it was super easy access to go in the theater. It was nice and warm down there. So that's where I chose to do all my workouts and stuff at. So I go to the theater, do that, and then go up the, the escalator right to the mat. I had to do that all tournament. It was awesome. I thought, it, for respect, from an athlete's point of view, I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was great. Now let's get into the competition. Starting with uh, the season, it was kind of a season of up and downs. You had a great win over Kevin Jack, who was a returning All American earlier in the season. He had beaten you last year at Nationals, and then then you kind of hit a little bit of a funk with. Uh, first starting, you were the top seed at Midlands, lose to Ronnie Perry, and then uh, tight wins to, to Ash Dalton Durso. And then you get there, and there's a stretch of the season where you lose to Trevor Yauk, and then you lose to Kyle Springer. And, and those were some you – know, the Springer one was really the one that was like, what the heck is wrong? So uh, just take us back yeah. back to that time. And what, what was going through your head? Was it was it mental? Was it physical? What was what was that midseason swoon like, and, and what was the reason for it? Yeah, that was the Springer one. The, the Yauk one, I mean – they're both, they're all tough kids, but the I mean the Springer one, that was when I was like, all right, Chris, like let's refocus, you know, let's get your what's going on. I really had to look down and then really analyze myself and correct it. So that was the Springer match here for me because I got I lost by seven. I haven't lost that match by that much since maybe Mitchell Port. I don't I don't even know. I really can't even remember when I lost match by that much. So I was like, wow, what like what's going on? And for me, it was a big thing. I hate harping on all the time, but it was a big weight thing for me. I wasn't. I didn't find where I could compete in that one-hour weigh-in and feel good and wrestle hard while cutting the 41. It was real hard for me to find that nice, find what I had to be seven days out, what weight I had to be six days out, five, four, three, and then what I had to eat right after. It was That was the hardest part for me. That was 
that was a hard part to sit with me because I hated knowing or feeling at least that I'm like, man, I could I could beat a lot of these top guys. I have to sit here and complain about my weight issues, and it was just because something you could control too. But it wasn't like it was just it wasn't just like oh, Christian, you need to be healthy. I ate healthy to a razor thin. Like I didn't put anything in my body that wasn't monitored. It was just so hard getting me down to 41 constantly every like two three times a week. It really beat me up. It's after that Springer match, I had to just sit back. Like, all right, Chris, you know what? I'm like, you know what? They don't give out All-Americans or national title championships in freaking February. You know what I'm saying? I was like, the only much that matters is March. Let's focus. Let's slow it down. Relax. I'm going to get that weight down. Let's not have any interruptions in the diet. 100% discipline. And I was just, and that was kind of what I did. I, I honed it even more to where I'd come in a little bit lighter uh, on those day, the day of workouts and stuff. And it kind of helped me because I was able to win back against Haran and Blees or whatever going into the conference tournament. That was kind of good for me. Yeah, Haran's a guy that's been giving you fits. He gives everybody fits. I mean, he gave Joey McKenna fits at Nationals in a pretty controversial match there, as, as we'll talk about McKenna here in a bit. But when when you, you get things back on track, it, it started to look like it clicked for you at the MAC tournament, obviously picking the win up over Springer in the early round. He was the seven, you were the two, even though uh, he had beaten you during the year. I think getting to the finals, you, you don't get to wrestle Matt Manley, who had defeated you in the dual meet this year. He got hurt. Uh, you, you could have seen him in the draw, but I guess uh, getting you know, that injury was uh, a little bit that prevented him from doing it. But, you know, how hungry were you to want to wrestle in the MAC finals? It, it's nice to be a MAC champ, but, you know, getting your hand raised without doing anything. What was going through your mind there is, as yes, you were a MAC champion, but secondly, you didn't really get to, to, to prove it there in the finals. To prove it. <clears throat> yeah, that was well, the reason I really wanted to wrestle him was to hopefully help my seat out at Nationals because I knew they would seat him higher, plus I directly beat him head on. So that's why I was, I was kind of like, all right. And I was on – it was one of those things where I was on the, I was on a roll. Like, everything was clicking. My momentum was feeling good. So I knew, like, all right, I'm going to be – this isn't going to be a close match where he gets, like, a little takedown in the last whatever second. I'm going to go and I'm going to put it – I'm going to take it to him. I'm going to go hard. And then, um, yeah, I guess he hurt his knee or whatever. So, I mean, the coaches felt like that was the right decision on their part. So, um, the Missouri coaches. But, yeah, that was kind of the thing. I mean, it was – I wouldn't say bittersweet because, to be honest, I got it. I'm like, all right, whatever, on to the next. Like, if I got second, same thing. Boom, you have nationals in a week. Like, focus on that. But, I mean, it was good to get it. I really wanted to get the win for for myself and because I was on a momentum roll and to kind of help my feet at nationals. But uh, it ended up working out fine in the end without wrestling him or not. Getting to the tournament, you come in as the number 12 seed. And you draw a guy from California in the first round, uh, Mike Longo from Appalachian State. Did you had have you ever wrestled him before growing up? Uh, I don't think we've ever. I could be wrong. We had a lot of high school matches. I don't think we ever wrestled in a tournament, but we practiced together and stuff. We rolled around together. I worked out with him uh, when I went back home for Christmas a couple times and stuff. So we knew each other like that. But we, we I don't think we've ever wrestled in a tournament. But we so he we, he wrestled. We all we both knew each other. We practiced together. So it was just one of those things, just hook him up, wrestle him after the match, and we were all, it was all good. We were cool. Yeah, because you guys are about uh, you know 45 minutes away from one another in a giant state like California. Yeah, we're, yeah we're not far. <laughs> we're not far. We're not far at all, yeah. So you win that one, then you move into uh, the next bout where you wrestle uh, Jimmy Goulibon, a returning All-American from Penn State. He was unseated, and he beat Manley in the first round. And that was one where you just cranked on top and you know got the 6-0 win, and it was just like, 
it, it looked like you wrestling like you did last year in those first couple rounds where you just like the, it, it brought back memories of the Dardanes match to me because here you are basically housing an All-American. I'm like, all right, I'm looking at that draw against Ashton. I'm like, ooh, he could do it. I mean, how, how confident did that win over Gulliban? And, you know, Penn State obviously being the monster that it is uh, with, with the national championships, uh, you know, five of the last six years. To beat a guy from Penn State is kind of a big deal. What was it like to, to, to beat Gulliban in the way you did? Yeah, no, it was a good win for me. And exactly like you said, it was like the way I did. I was able to take him down. And that was one match where I, I just felt a lot I felt a lot bigger and stronger than him. I was able to just kind of horse him over the underhook. wasn't really too much technique. I kind of horsed him over. And then that was a big thing for me, too, that coming on top, a lot of, uh, like, with that part like of the season when I was struggling, my top work wasn't clicking. I wasn't able to find how to wrestle well on top. So that, being able to come and then throw boots in, power half him over, without, like, the ref stopping or any of that stuff that normally happens, that was, I was like, okay, Chris, your top, I kind of like my top works back. Top works back, and I was like, what they put in front of me after this? I'm able to, you know, use my top, and then I was able to do it again. I think against Longo, too, I was able to score points on top. So that was good for me, just kind of reassure it. And then, yeah, obviously, beat a Penn State kid, you know, I mean, under the, yeah, the great program at Penn State, so that was, that was a good win. But I wasn't going to the match, I wasn't, you know, you thinking that, oh, this kid's from Penn State or whatever, his coach is Sanderson, that never crossed my mind. But looking back, yeah, that was a good win against, you know, that, that program. And he was a returning All-American as well, like you said. But felt good to go out there and kind of, I was able to horse him, get on top, crank him over, kind of gave me that confidence, momentum going in the next match. So, yeah, that did feel good. Next match, quarterfinal against Anthony Ashnall, the guy that uh, he'd beaten you really close at the Midlands, and then that was kind of what started that little funk a bit. But uh, this was a tight match. I'm looking in. You were wrestling confidently. Uh, you know, what was it about Ashnall that makes him a tough opponent, and, and what do you think you could have done differently to win that match and make a semifinal? Yeah, I mean, Ashnall, I have the utmost respect for him. He's a great opponent. Um, real, his style on his feet, he's good. He scored that first two-on-one takedown and kind of uh, – and he's good on top. <clears throat> he's good on top. And in that first period, after he got the two-on-one, I know uh, he, he got on top, and he had me in a tilt. And when he was tilting me, he almost got back points, but I was able to grab tip over and reverse him. And so in that third period, when the coaches, it was tied up. Or I was down by one, but I might have riding time, I believe. And then uh, so the coaches wanted me to go bottom, and I wasn't confident enough myself because of that, that first flurry I got in with him when he almost tilted me on my back for back points. So I know a lot of people came up to me afterwards and asked me, like, why don't you go bottom, why don't you go bottom? And I was like, you know what, because I wasn't confident in myself. And I wouldn't have wanted to go bottom. And then if I did get written out, and I would have been like, Chris, you should have went on your feet. You could have taken him down. But, I mean, because hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously. But at, in the, at the time, I was my decision. Coach just said bottom. I said, no, my feet. I want to go my feet in third. And so that's what I did, thinking I'd get a takedown. And he's able to catch me. That's what a shot. And I tried to start, I mean, I think I tried pulling him up and pulling my leg down, but my arm was tapped. He was able to back shoot me and get two legs right out of bounds. Saw the bounds, he got two. That was the match. I mean, I'm top opponent. I most respect for him. He's a good, he's a banger. He hand fights hard with me. He's one of the, he's one of those guys where I'll club him in the face, and he calls me right back, and we have a battle. So, I mean, he beat me fair and square. It was a good match. But uh, that was one of the strategy things people ask me about. Like, third period, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? So that was one of the things I was like, maybe John Bottom, but who knows? You know, he could have put me in my back. We don't really know. Coming back after a, a loss like that, you find yourself in the blood round, which is, uh, you know, it's it's do or die. You win, you're an All American. You lose, your 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 career is done. And you know, how nerve wracking 
is that pressure to know that, all right, this this could be the very last match of my career, and if I don't win, I'm not an All-American. If I do win, I'm for sure on that podium. I mean, did that enter your mind at all? It, it did a little bit, but I stamped it. I stomped it out. I knew. So I was like, you know what? This is the round of – exactly, like you just said, the round of 12, the blood round. Everyone in wrestling, in college wrestling, at least, knows what it is. You know, the stories about the blood round, like, when they're all there, exactly, guys are crying on the mat. Like, that's the most emotional round. But uh, I, I was like, you know what, Chris? Go out there and have fun. I'm like, when you're having fun, you're wrestling. And I was able – the part about it, I was able to go back to the hotel. I was just to relax, block out everything. Didn't think twice about it. I was just telling him, just go out there. It's another match. I'm like, you could have drawn this kid the first round. You just wrestled how you would every other match. Don't let that pressure come. Like you just said, the legend of the blood round. I didn't want to let any of that pressure get to me. And I was pretty – I went back and I checked my weight, one of the things, and I was huge. So I was like, you know what, Chris? If you're going to go out there and be your last match of your career, at least be as big as you possibly can. I was real – I was super hydrated. I felt strong. I mean, like, you see, you watched the match. I was able to kind of go behind, pop on a cradle and kind of horse him over. So that felt really good uh, going to that match. And I and then I knew when I put my hands on him, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm wrestling at a higher pace right now than he is. So I was able to kind of tell myself that when I was able to move him around the hand fight. You know, I was like, he he might be nervous. I don't know, because he kind of kind of nervously collar tied me, or I forget how he did post the collar tie. And I was out there just throwing makers. So I kind of knew. I was like, you know what, just go out there and have fun. Let it all hang out. When we lose, make sure you go out how you want to go out. So you think the pressure might have been uh, in his head more so than yours? Yes, yes, exactly. Because I knew that he was four too. He was around the 12. So I knew, I'm like, maybe in his head, he's probably like, man, around the 12 again, I lost last year. Because I think Le'Veon beat him last year. And I, so he's probably thinking in his head. And you do it with a fall. I mean, I remember obviously being an Old Dominion grad, I'm paying a little bit more attention to this blood round match. And this is around, and, and for those who, who – weren't aware I was uh, the PA announcer for the event this year, along with another Virginia guy. But oh yes, so, great job, great job. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there looking at it, going, "Okay, don't give Makati too much of a pop. I don't want to seem biased." But when you got the fall, it was like it, you go nuts. Steve Martin's going nuts. You know, I'm 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 sitting there trying to keep my professionalism and composure there, and yes, you know, yeah, get, get to say two time All American you know, from Old Dominion. I mean, it was one of those things that you know, as an alum, I'm proud to see it, but. Just, just to do it with a fall, that just had to put a little cherry on top of like, all right, I'm definitely here. Everything else is gravy. It did. It really did. It was, a, and that was a move. The funny thing was, that move. Uh, me and Steve went over that same cradle. I got that cradle after I beat um, Haran when Central came to ODU on my senior night, and I got the same cradle on Haran, and I rolled the opposite way, and he almost stuck me. So I had to come back and get to take down that way. And me and Steve just went over it. Like, Makati, you get that cradle on that go-behind, you have to push into him instead. And I got the same cradle on this kid, and I felt him try to tip me over the wrong way. So I was able to crunch his head, run him over, and get the fall. And even after the match, I was like, look at that, Steve. I was like, that technique session after that duel paid off. And then, yeah, it was, that was kind of a cool way, too, to cap it off with that, with that move, just knowing that me and Steve worked on that after a duel meet one day. Yes, and was able to slap it on and then pin in whatever 90 seconds it was. That was a good win. Could I... And that's what that's why I was like, okay, Christy, that's what happens when you tell your tell your mind, you know, go out there and have fun, wrestle hard, don't worry about the score, just keep going after them. I'm like, that's what happens. Good stuff. Good things happen. Follow that up. Uh, you lose the number two seed, Joey McKenna of Stanford, uh, just one of the scrappiest freshmen in the country. Before finishing it out with a win in the fifth place match over the number seven seed, Solomon Shishko of Virginia Tech. And last year, you made the semis and triple dipped. 
finishing six. Now, to end your career with your hand raised, that's that's something. What was that feeling like compared to ending your tournament a year ago? Uh, you know, losing in the fifth place bout. Um, it was it, it was amazing. I was I would have rather gone out. I mean, going out with a win. I mean, wrestlers naturally were competitive. Most people could see it. You know, we all American. Like fifth or sixth doesn't matter, and it does it in the big scheme of things. I mean, unless you're first. Pretty much, you know, third through eighth is kind of the same in that sense. But you, you always want to go out on a good note with a win, you know. And your because I was going to end my college career or my wrestling career, and I wanted, I knew when, when I lose, I mean, I was going to be proud of what I did and what I accomplished in the sport. But I really wanted to go out with a win, you know, get my hand raised one last time, uh, in yeah, in the, in the OU singlet, and that was a great way to do it. It felt, it did feel because it's funny if you look at a picture after nationals last year. Me, Stephen Lenny, with the ham and I have like that, that kind of mad face. I just got done losing for fifth and sixth, and this year, I mean, it's all smiles, all good. So that was definitely a good way to end it for sure. One other award you were bestowed with was uh, one you were the uh, male athlete of the year. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment, but you're also named to the NWCA All-Academic Team. And uh, a couple years ago, ODU was number two in the top 30, and you and Jack were part of the uh, NWCA All-Academic Team. What's What's it mean to be not just a stu- you know a student athlete in the true sense of the sport, you're an all American on the mat and you're all academic in the classroom. Yeah, that, I mean that that is a very good thing, and, and that's something I a lot of I feel like a lot of athletes don't put as much uh, how do you say like uh, recognition towards something like that, like oh, all academic team, like, yeah, whatever. No, that's like that is because people were telling me like, man, that's crazy how you can manage uh, you know manage the Division One wrestling grind and schedule on top of academics and everything. So that was definitely good for me because my parents are super proud of that because they, you know, they like to think big picture type thing. And that would be good for job resumes and stuff like that. And it's just good to show, I mean, that just requires ultimate discipline. It just shows that, you know what, you were able to do everything it takes on the mat and then on top of that, the off-the-mat stuff, which can be just as hard if you're, you know, if you're not focused. So it was just good. You know, I was, to let people know, I ended my, I didn't, I didn't just wrestle and kind of let the other stuff. I didn't just check out mentally on the on the off the mat stuff. I was I was focused on and off the mat. I was able to handle my business, even when there's you know plenty of distractions that would you know tell me otherwise. So yeah, that was a good good way to end it. Good way to end it. You know, being the male athlete of the year at Old Dominion's is is something that is very rare for a wrestler. And uh, other than uh, maybe your your really sad mustache. And the fact that you've colored your hair back again, uh, you know what? What was that experience like to be there in front of all of your fellow student athletes at Old Dominion, representing the school as the as the male athlete of the year? This has got to be something very special to you. Oh, it, it really was. It really was because I remember telling myself, you know, going from this, but after the freshman year, when I saw that, I'm like, wow. And by, I was like, you know what? I could win that. I told my especially after freshman year banquet when I registered it. So, like, you know, zero recognition for any of the registered stuff. And I was like, you know what, I think I can win that before I graduate. And that was cool, you know, last year winning it against that American finish. And I, to be honest, I didn't think I was going to get it just because, like you said, it's not – it's voted on by alumni, so it could be kind of like a popularity thing. So I just thought maybe, you know, wrestling doesn't always get that much love. But, I mean, it was awesome. It showed me so much love. The recognition was awesome. I was able to get up there. I gave a nice – I gave, like, a senior speech, too. So that was pretty cool. And it was just a great way that that kind of really tapped off. Like, okay, now the athletics are really done, like – Team athletic banquet, yeah, uh, ODU MVP, male athlete of the year and stuff. That was awesome. Just an awesome way to go out and get awesome recognition from you know the university. 
All right, we're going to have a little fun now. We, we, we did a little bit of this on other shows, but I want to start with, first of all, what, what was the best experience you had at Old Dominion, whether it involves uh, athletics or academics? What was some one of the things that you can look back on like, this This was my best experience? Uh, I mean, there's been so many great ones. Um, I honestly think right now, maybe it's just because it's more fresh in my mind, but being part of that team that we went to Madison Square Garden this year, and that was such an awesome time wrestling there. I, I was really hyped about the New York trip and making it and doing well. And then, like, the afterwards stuff, there was just so much, so much camaraderie between the ODU guys. That was being in New York City and doing well that right now, as it sits fresh, it's my favorite experience as a, as a monarch. What was, what was the worst experience that you look back on and be like, oh, man, that, that, that really sucked. I'm going to assume it's making weight. <laughs> that, that definitely, making weight was never once that I actually enjoy it. But to be honest, probably the worst, the worst things were the, uh, when I got injured on that four-wheeler, when I had a four-wheel accident, I was out and I was injured for a while. And just having <laughs> every day I'd come in the office and I would get yelled at about something, about the coaches. But it was mostly to do with that. Now I'm mad they were at me, but I just got yelled at every day for a solid while. So that was those were definitely were not fun fun days of my life for sure, for sure. After I got uh, that shoulder injury. All right, after five years, you've probably got a number of of Steve Martin stories. I want to hear your favorite Steve Martin goofy story. Oh, there's a okay. Wow, you're making me think. There's a there's obviously tons of uh, there's tons Steve of them. Stories. Yes, none of them involve him driving yeah, gotta, because we don't let him drive anymore. Yeah, but sometimes you still will, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa like, I'll drive, coach. <laughs> but uh, um, there's been so many odds. Some of the fun ones were, uh, one of the ones I just remember off the top of my head, we were about to miss a flight. So I think we are in Charlotte, taking a flight out to the Midwest somewhere. And uh, <laughs> and then um, one time we were going, we are about to miss our flight, and then he's like, he screams at us, everyone, let's go, let's go. And so we start running, and we literally had to change terminals, all sprinting with our bags on. And we have a run out here called the Terminal Run, where we run, where we run to Terminal Boulevard, which I'm sure you remember. And then we got them running, and then, yeah, I looked at Mikey Hayes, one of my teammates, and was like, hey, he's like, that, that Terminal Run was faster than your normal time, or something like that. He said something like that, and I thought that was hilarious. That's just one I could think of, think of uh, at the top of my head, but like, you know, there's countless Steve stories. <laughs> countless. <laughs> yeah, that, that could take up a whole, like, a whole series. We could do a podcast simply on, on Steve Martin stories yeah, over the sit, years. I got to sit down. I got to sit down and write those down. Yeah. There's so, there's so many good ones. <laughs> now comes the, the real fun part uh, on my short time wrestling podcast. I have a short time segment where I throw 10 questions out in 90 seconds. And I've done this a couple times on other shows. I think we did it with Coburn. I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe we did it with Warner, but uh, are you ready for, for the short time segment? 10 questions, 90 seconds. I don't want you to think. I just want the yeah. first thing that comes to your head. Boom. All right. All right. Let's go. All right, best match you've ever wrestled? Actually, have it. I won the Olympic gold. Tonight, what are you having for dinner? Chinese food. Who's the best wrestler people don't talk about? Brendan Jeske. He needs to get talked about more because in the room, he's unstoppable. Your all-time favorite flavor of Gatorade? Ooh, uh, Rip Head Rush. Who is your best roommate? Kevin Gagan. Who is your favorite international wrestler? Um, best of Kudakov, rest of heat. You win the Powerball. What's the first college wrestling program you're going to start? 
Cal State Fullerton. I'm going to read that throughout the game. Who's the best JV guy on your high school team? <laughs> Zach Miller. <laughs> What's your favorite restaurant on the planet? Lynn's Garden, 38, or Hampton Boulevard, Norfolk, and, Virginia. And finally, your favorite Austin Coburn quote. Oh, the Kyle Day quote. Man, I wrestled four ways. I'm pretty much like the Kyle Day to Paul Dressler. Oh, bingo. That was that. That's the <laughs> one that definitely got the most mileage. I'm like... You know, that's good. And I think you passed. I, I stopped timing it because you know what? I, I had a couple things. I was like, oh, they're going to do this. Yeah, you know, to do that. Uh, one follow up. Uh, what's your favorite wrestling movie? I'm going to have to go with the all time great. I mean, sorry, Fox Catcher, but Vision Quest. It still hasn't has been beat yet. I like the corniness of it. It's funny. Yeah, it, it, I would implore you to read the book if you haven't already done so because it's, it's, it's quite, I have. It's I mean, quite book, good. The book's incredible. The book's incredible. I've actually had the author of the of of the book on my uh, my short time show, so you might have to go back and listen to that. But uh, oh, nice! I want to, you know, let's 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 break down this Foxcatcher thing real quick. For you know, you're I was in the generation coming around. I discovered wrestling when I was in high school, and uh, Dave Schultz had already been murdered, so I I knew a little bit about the story. And then seeing the Foxcatcher movie, then the ESPN thirty for thirty documentary, and I've just seen. Uh, Team Foxcatcher, the Nancy Schultz documentary that was on Netflix, and you know what 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 do you know about? Uh, Dave Schultz, uh, being from California, you've got to know more than most people uh, when it comes to that, at least in, in your age demographic. What, what's some things about Dave Schultz that you know about and, and something that made these films kind of intriguing to watch? Yeah, I mean, Dave Schultz is still commemorated on lots of the California, Team California gear. You know, we have like the Dave Schultz, it's him or whatever, like the picture of him wrestling and a lot of the California stuff. I remember growing up seeing a lot of Dave Schultz wrestling club shirts, like at these tournaments from older guys and stuff. And then I, so I obviously I was researching as a young wrestler who he was, and I saw all his accomplishments. And I don't even know as much about Marshall, who actually might have been more, in terms of accolades, he might have had more than his brother. But, uh, so we were looking at that, and then I hear stories about him, and he's like this, kind of like a, he, he, what I liked about him the most, was, which I think wrestling needs more of, is like, the guys, leaders who have charisma. Like he was a great technician, but he wasn't just on that kind of like, he wasn't a, like Barry, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it, but he had a personality too. He was funny. He was people always talk about loving to be around him. He had like a thousand best friends. You know, if you knew Dave, you could have swore he's your best friend. And he impacted so many people. I mean, even Steve tells a story about after he lost, I think in the Big Ten, and Schultz came up to him and like kind of him on back, like, "Come on, Martin, like you can be better than that." Stuff like that. Like he was a known wrestling legend in the U.S. and then would go overseas and then learn to speak Russian so he could ask the Russian guys like about translate technique and stuff like that. Like. That dude was a true genius, fan of the sport, a great ambassador of the sport, great ambassador of California wrestling. And um, so, yeah, that was just the legend of Dave Schultz, and he's done great things for the sport when, while, he was, uh, while he was alive, and even afterwards. Yeah, because uh, you, you said, you know, sorry, Foxcatcher. That's, that's a movie I've seen once. I don't think I'll ever want to see it again. Uh, I don't think it was no. a bad film, but it's, uh, you, know, my, you know, my age demographic, some of us, live through it. And for me, it was the first time I had a chance to actually kind of live through that experience, even though, you know, there's, there's some factual inaccuracies in the timeline, but then going yeah. to see the, the documentary from ESPN and then Nancy Schultz documentary, it's like, you know what? Those are great. Both of those are great, but it's not Fox kids. There's not a movie I want to show to my team, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, art direction, not whatnot. It's, it's, it's good, but it's like, yeah, that's see, I, I like, I like vision quest. I like win, win, I think is one that would, would be a strong, uh, strong second. Win-win was also very good. Yes, that was also very good. 
I actually had an actual wrestler play the actor in that movie too. So we're dropping yeah, some a, knowledge a, on you. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think he's a New Jersey coach champ. Yeah, I believe he was. So, uh, Chris, in the time yeah. we got left here on episode 31, just uh, giving you a final platform, uh, people to thank, uh, final thoughts on, on your career at Old Dominion. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say thank you to everyone that supported me from the people back home in California, all the coaches, the fans, you know, relatives, everyone, mom and dad, all the way to the people in Virginia who I've never met before, but who I consider family now. I've had a tremendous amount of support from everyone in Hampton Roads, California, I couldn't be more grateful, and it was awesome to finish my career. I'm all American, college graduate, and they say uh, all academic team. It's been a great ride, and I just can't see where I go. I can't wait to see where I go next. And thank you, to everyone. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.